Hey, Jim, IMTS Spark is organized into six showcases that highlight distinct manufacturing channels. Do you know what they are? Honestly, I have no idea, but I'm interested. Please tell me. I'm going to tell you. It's manufacturing technology. Okay. Innovation shakedown. Of course. Making connections. Love that. Industry insights. Sure. Business of manufacturing. Business of manufacturing. I'd be very interested in that. Yeah, we're very familiar with. And also what we're very familiar with, leadership insights. Tell me about the making connections one. Yeah, because I mean, you know, that's what we're missing the most with not having like physical IMTS. So at the making connections, you can join a coffee chat, a lunch and learn, or even have a drink at happy hour to network with fellow manufacturing leaders who are passionate about advanced manufacturing. Go to imts.com slash spark. Welcome to Making Chips. We believe that manufacturing is challenging, but if you are connected to a community of leaders, you can elevate your skills, solve your problems, and grow your business. I'm your host, Jason Zenger, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jim Carr. Hey, man. How you doing? Good. It's sunny out. It's cold out, but it's sunny out. Yeah. Feels good. Yeah, it's good. So, Jim, it's now today, as we're recording this, it's Thursday, January 21st. It is. It is. We have a new president for the United States. You know, whatever your political opinions are on what has transpired over the last month, six months, 12 months, we have a new president. He's been sworn in. And so that's the environment that we are operating in right now. We have to. Yes. You know, so what's your, and you and I have talked about this before, what's your general thoughts about political discussions at work? I completely do not go there at all. Okay. I started to, in our weekly production meetings, talking slightly about politics, and they shut me down right away. Your team shut you down? My team shut me down. What did they say exactly? I could feel it. I could feel... And I really wasn't meant to be siding with one particular party. No, I, I believe you. But, you know, they I could feel that there was tension, yeah. and I didn't want to go there because it's really... It's something very personal, just like religion. Okay. And there's never a right or wrong answer, no, ma- no matter how much you discuss it. Yep. There's never a right or wrong answer. So that, that's kind of funny that you and I take complete opposite sides as far as this goes, because, you know, there is that whole like mantra of never discuss, you know, politics and religion. And, you know, and you have like some of those uncomfortable discussions at Thanksgiving table with your family on either of those two topics, but I actually come from the opposite side in that I would encourage discussions of both of those things. Like faith is very important to me. Politics is way less important to me, but I also, I would say that some of these things need to be discussed. And I think I want to talk a little bit why during this episode. So, Well, it depends on who you discuss them with. I don't believe that discussing it with your team is the correct thing to do. Okay. And that's good that you have that opinion. Right. And that is your role as like leader of your company. Exactly. And my role as leader of my company is that I want to actually create an environment where we can have discussions of like a political nature and they can be helpful and not divisive amongst the team. And I'm going to talk right. about why I feel that way. Okay. And this is not a matter of like right or wrong. So like I don't think that you're wrong and I'm right about this. I just think that like kind of like when you're in a family environment as like the leader in your family, like say like my wife and I, we can choose to discuss what we want to discuss with our family and you can kind of lead your family in a different manner. In my family, we do have 
discussions about okay. politics, but I don't bring it outside of the family. Understood. I think that it's okay, and I'm going to talk about why. But before we go there, tell me something great that is going on with you that would be helpful for the metalworking nation to know. Well, we just we just got a new CMM, and it it's awesome. It it's called a Ferro Arm, and what it does. Yeah, you told me about this. I think I'm going to invite the guy on the show as a guest in the future. But the reason we got it, Jason, is because. When you become AS9100, you have to show inspection on everything. You mm-hmm. have to show that every single operation you do in every particular dimension on the print and dimension that you machine has to have data to support yeah. the dimension. Yeah. And you got to store that data in the cloud. You got to store the data on your ERP system, which, <laughs> which we do it in the cloud. <laughs> but the reason is we bought the Sphero Arm is it's modular. It's a CMM that's modular that comes to the CNC machine. And then we can go in and we can either probe it with this Sphero Arm CMM or we can use the laser scanner just scans across the whole surface of the part. It takes in all the data from that scan and uploads it to our ERP system to validate that the dimension and the tolerances are there. So, and and explain to the Metalworking Nation or somebody that's maybe not familiar with this, the difference between this type of CMM versus like the traditional CMM. Sure. So the traditional CMM is a stationary piece of equipment, typically in your inspection room. The thing is you have to bring the part to the machine. Mm-hmm. This is just the opposite. We're bringing the machine to the part. So it almost looks kind of like a cobot, right? It kind of does look like a cobot because it has an articulating arm. But the thing is, if we're doing in-process inspection, we've created a, a setup. Well, you put it on like a cart? Actually, it comes either like on a tripod stand mm-hmm. or you can put mount it to the machine table okay or you can mount it to a cart there's a couple different ways you can adapt it that definitely sounds interesting and i've seen this trend so like my good friend mike Payne from hill manufacturing who you know because he's been on the show i don't think it was that same brand but he i believe either is talking about buying one of those articulating arm cmms or he's already bought it but i I believe it's a different brand so like I'm, i'm starting to see that nuanced technology to cmm that's a little bit different more and more out there yeah. And the whole thing is we don't want to break the setup. Right. If the parts in the machine in the vice, for instance, we want to be able to measure it in process, harvest all of the dimensions, pull it up into the, our, our first article without breaking the setup. Otherwise, if we had to go to the CMM, we'd have to take the part out of the machine, go into the inspection room, put it on the CMM and do that. So, yeah. And you're not so high volume that you can have like no. the CMM in line with like the production or any, or in the cell, you know, or hundred percent, a hundred percent. So that's good. Good. Yeah. I, I look forward to discussing that more in the future. Yeah. Like some of the advantages of that. That's interesting. I, I'm talking to them now. I want to use it first before we invite a guest. Makes sense. Makes sense. So that's what's new. So that was a long cool. story no, that's about helpful. what's new. Thank you. So do you have any uh, manufacturing news? for today, Jason. Tell me what's new and I bet you it's going to be political. Yeah. Well, you know, it's going to be political. And, you know, again, this whole episode, you know, we were kind of talking about this ahead of time. This whole episode is not intended to be about a political viewpoint. It's supposed to be how to have a conversation about politics. Like nobody here is trying to sway anyone one way or another. For me, it's a matter of how to talk about politics. So for this manufacturing news. Don't you agree that politics is personal? 
Well, it is personal, but I think it's important to have a discussion about it. Okay. Let, let me talk about that later. Let me get into this manufacturing news a little bit just to go through this. And, and again, this is intended to be informative. So this article is from Inc. Magazine, and the title of the article is Biden's Big Plans for Small Business in His First 100 Days. And this came out on January 19, 2021. So of course, it talks about that you know he wants to put a lot of money into vaccine production. And then he also outlined his America Rescue Plan. And once again, whether you agree with the political environment or not. This is a matter of Jim and I just trying to let you know, keep you informed as far as what's going on in the American political environment so that you could be better prepared for yourself as a manufacturing leader. So this American Rescue Plan is a new $1.9 trillion COVID-19 relief bill, which includes $440 billion for communities and small businesses. The proposal would include direct payments of $1,400 to most Americans, an expansion and extension of unemployment benefits and renewed aid to state and local governments. So this article goes on to say the portion of that $440 billion that gets earmarked for small businesses versus communities remains unclear. $440 billion? Billion with a B. Yes. Okay. So Biden is expected to formally present his plan before a joint session of Congress next month. And he will also offer his plan for immigration legislation, including a pathway to citizenship for DACA, which is the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. Again, we just want to keep you informed about you know what's going on because, of course, you know things that happen in politics do impact your business. But what impacts your business the most is you and how you lead your company. Exactly. So, But you do need to be aware of what is going on so that you can make informed decisions and just have a general understanding of, of what's happening. You know, Whether you agree with what they're doing or not, it's good to be informed. And I agree with that. So the article goes on to say that Biden would create $15 billion grant program to help more than a million of the hardest hit businesses, as well as a plan to leverage $35 billion in government assistance and $175 billion in small business lending and investments. The funds, Biden said, would get invested in successful state, local, tribal, and nonprofit small business financing programs that would then provide low interest loans and venture capital for entrepreneurs. So this is a lot of money. It's a lot of money. I didn't realize it was that big. Yeah, it's a lot of money. I mean, who's going to pay for that? Well, you know, somebody. I guess they're going to push it down to future generations. And I'm not an economist, but my thought process as far as this goes is that you know this does lower the value. I would assume of our dollar of our dollar, yeah. and it would also lower the value of anybody that has debt on the American dollar, which I think is you know primarily China. So it like kind of devalues their debt. But you know it, it might be interesting to have an economist come on someday and kind of educate you. We should get William Strauss back. Yeah, that would be He's good. He's been on two times before. It's been a while. So here's another interesting thing because it goes through OSHA. Biden's plans also contain some controversial conditions, including calls for employers to provide hazard pay or even back hazard pay to essential workers. He'd also require the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, OSHA, to issue a new COVID-19 protection standard that covers a broad set of workers. I would assume that would mean manufacturing workers, which may include those not typically covered by the agency. So while all employers must provide a safe work environment, employers with 10 or fewer employees and businesses in certain industries may be exempt from keeping OSHA injury and illness records. So I guess to the metalworking nation, just kind of be prepared for OSHA to kind of ramp up your requirements as far as keeping records and, and stuff like that. If you have less than 10 employees, you probably have less to worry about. But again, none of this stuff is into law at this time anyway. Okay, it goes on to say he'd raise the federal minimum wage standards to $15 an hour up from the current seven and a quarter hourly wage floor. 
So there's a lot of people that it states in this article that say it would undermine a recovery, which kind of makes sense. And it also goes on to talk about that, you know, the Senate is split 50-50 and then the vice president, Kamala Harris, would serve as a tiebreaker. But a lot of these legislation requires a filibuster-proof majority or 60 votes in the Senate to pass anyway. So, you know, this is just going to be interesting to see exactly how things come through in the next 100 days as sure. we talk about. Do you have any thoughts on this or is it just good to be informed? I think it's good to be informed. You know, politics has never been something that I've been drawn to personally. Right, but it impacts you. It does. It does. And I know it's important. It's just, it's something that I never really followed. Sure. You're not educated there. I'm not educated. And neither am I, you know. But it's just, right now, I am more political than I ever have. I mm-hmm. watch the news. Sure. I won't tell Which you I what don't news I watch. <laughs> I do. I know it's slighted in one way or another. Right, of course. But at least I'm getting something and I can make my own decision on what I think is fact or fiction. So there you go. Well, you know, making chips is, of course, all facts. All we're doing is resharing, yeah, right? We're, just we're resharing. resharing Hopefully news. We're resharing the truth. <laughs> well, we're telling the truth about our own businesses, right? That's very true. So. So I have one more manufacturing news, if I can do this. It's also political, and this comes from the Washington Post. And and the title of this article is Biden Aims for New Course on Trade, Breaking with Trump and Democratic Predecessors. So it says here that Biden has sketched out a trade policy that echoes Trump's focus on manufacturing jobs. Okay. Right. Kind of end it there. That's good. That's good for manufacturing. So him and Trump are on the same page as far as manufacturing, which is great. So now where they differ is that, and if I can summarize my understanding of this is that Trump was more pro-American in so much that he wanted to foster American-made manufacturing companies. And I guess the direction that Biden would portray himself as is pro-American worker, which is, you know, it's a it's nuance, it's different. Of course, he's the Democratic Party is more with the unions. And so that would that would kind of make sense with, you know, being pro-worker as far as that goes. I don't think that it means that Trump is anti-worker. I think that Trump very much was, you know, for the American worker for totally. sure. I just think that they take a little bit of different positions as far as that goes. Trump. Well, wanted- everyone has an opinion. Everybody right? has an opinion. Everyone yeah. has an opinion. You have a different opinion about things. I have a different opinion. Nick has a different opinion about things. Absolutely. Our employees have different opinions about things. So we're just trying to find that middle ground, exactly. right? To keep everybody happy. Yeah. It goes on here to say that they're looking to bolster U.S competitiveness and worker skills rather than concentrating on tariffs and enforcement efforts. So if you remember, you know, Trump was very much about saying, let's make sure that our tariffs and our competitiveness at an executive level was in line with these other countries, which is why he went back and renegotiated, Mm -hmm. whereas Biden is now trying to take a little bit of a different approach. Hopefully, it's not going to change things so much that our heads are going to spin. But I think, once again, it's just good to be informed about these things that are going on. Yeah. So can I move on to the heart yeah, of what let's we're going to talk about? Yeah, let's go ahead. Let's bring it on, man. So let's just reiterate what you're going to talk. We're not going to talk about politics. We're going to talk about how to talk about it. If you choose to talk about politics, how to talk about yeah, it. Yeah. And before we even go there, I kind of want to get into like a little bit of a diatribe in, about this because you and I... We're in disagreement about like how much and where to discuss politics, but I want to I want to kind of like get on a soapbox myself. I believe that as a country, we've lost a little bit of our character as a people because 
so many people have been, I, I would say, brainwashed to not be able to listen to the perspectives of another person, to listen to their words without getting emotional. And I believe that this degradation of our rhetoric skills leads to a lowering of our intelligence in general and doesn't support you know, emotional growth as a people. And I believe myself as a leader, I believe the Metalworking Nation, I believe you, Jim, I, th- I think that we need to foster the growth and maturity of our teams. Does that make sense that like, you know, that lack of ability to have intelligent discussions without getting your emotions involved kind of numbs us down intelligently? It does. I just believe that different people have different levels of intelligence. So it's hard to, and perspective and passion So I believe that it's hard, especially in a working environment where... You're focused on the work. (laughs) The objective is the job, right? right? The objective is getting work done. Yep. And I just, I don't want to create any animosity. I agree. I agree with that. Among the team, it's hard enough to, you know, just keep focused on our four core values rather than bring in this other element that's people are very passionate about. It's been um, a wild ride mm-hmm. in the last 12 months. So I'm glad that you said core values because that's very important to what I'm going to be talking about. So you mentioned before that you do discuss politics at, let's just say, the Thanksgiving table as a family, but you don't discuss it at work. Do not discuss it at work, but we do talk about it at family dinners. Okay. So the atmosphere that we try to cultivate at Zengers and also that my wife and I try to cultivate at Black is akin to a family. When we set out to develop our core values, that notion of being a family really bubbled up to the top. And one of the things that I've repeatedly said to my team is that I think that if we're supporting each other as a team, that we can support our clients better. Okay. And our clients being the manufacturing leaders, such as yourself. So you've been here at my company many times. We're we're pretty diverse. You know what I mean? And we're diverse not only when you look at us, but we're also diverse from a political standpoint. And we've never really had any kind of issues associated with having any kind of political talk. So one of the things, kind of like a family that I tell that I like to tell my team is that I'd like to have an environment where If one of my teammates, if they're having a really bad time at home or going through some tough times personally, that they can come to work and feel a sense of relief and be better prepared to go back to their family after work because they enjoy what they do here. They enjoy the people that they work with and they like serving the manufacturing leaders that they work with. And this is kind of contrary to the old management style from like, say, like 20 or 30 years ago, where these companies just wanted to extract and beat down their people as much as possible so that they can get as much work out of them as, as possible. And then when they came home to their families after working all day long, they were so exhausted, they had nothing left for their families. They sat in front of the TV. They didn't engage with their kids. It was nothing like that. Now, I expect my people to work hard, but what I want them to do is I want them to be energized during the workday and also energized when they come home. And I don't want them to feel beat down because most of my team has families and I want them to have that energy and feel good about what they did all day. And so that's that's the kind of environment that I like to lead, that of a family here at work. And most of my team have echoed that same thing, that they like that family atmosphere. And from a core value standpoint, and that's, that's our core value of life is great. It kind of encompasses that family value. And one of the interesting things that we found, and we've discussed this as a team, is we've brought some people on our team, and I'm not going to mention any names. They didn't want to engage with us 
on a personal level. Like one gentleman said to me, well, I just don't go have drinks or dinner after work with, with the people I work with. And I started talking to, you know, Carla, who is, you know, somebody who I bounce a lot of ideas off here. And I was like, Carla, I don't think that works. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think the fact that this guy has said his value is that he doesn't share his personal life and he won't have dinner with his with his workmates after work. He's not going to work on our team. And guess what, Jim? It's a bad cultural it's fit. It's a bad cultural fit. And he didn't work. Yeah. He didn't work. How long did it take before he was gone? He was only with us for like a year or two. And, okay. and you know, most of our most of the people working here are like decades. Right. Know? Exactly. So, so anyway, so that's I, I just want to kind of set this up as that's the type of environment. Like our our work is kind of like another family that we, it's like our second family that we have. <laughs> Listen, Metalworking Nation, if this pandemic has taught me one thing, it's that we need to accelerate our digital transformation. You can't get into shops the same way anymore. Business isn't done the same way as it once was, and it's only going to continue to trend in that direction. Let me tell you about a company that is doing just that. It's Zometry. So what is Zometry? Zometry is custom manufacturing on demand. They have over 5,000 partners, and their network has the capacity you need for prototyping and production. They're AS9100 and ISO 9001 certified, registered with ITAR. You can get an instant quote today for any of the services that you might need, whether it be CNC machining, 3D printing, injection molding, sheet metal, finishing services. You can even buy materials. Zometry is trusted by the engineers and purchasing leaders at the world's most successful companies like BMW, GE, NASA, Dell, and Bosch. Listen, if you want to turbocharge the way you make custom parts, check out Zometry. It's really easy. X-O-M-E-T-R-Y.com and you can get a quote today. So now I want to get into just kind of some bullet points. Actually, before I, before I go there, I want to tell a little bit of a story. My company, which is an industrial supply company, it's changed drastically over the last like 10 or 20 years, it, even the last 30 years before I was working here. Back in the day, it used to be this environment where we served very much kind of the local regional environment around us as an industrial supply company, and shop owners would come into our store throughout the day and buy their tools, and then they would go back to their shops. Now, a lot of that has changed. You know, people don't come in hardly any more because of COVID, but it's also changed because of like, you know, vending machines and, you know, just being able to place orders a little bit easier and stuff like that. But it used to be like this third place. So this place where people would come in, they would come in at lunchtime just to get away from the office. So like shop owners like yourself, you, you did it once in a while, but not very often. We had a lot of shop owners that would come in weekly, if not like every other day, and they would just come in just as a relief. It's like, I'm going to get lunch. I'm going to stop at Zanger's. I'm going to get my tools and I'm going to talk with the guys at the counter. And they would talk about politics. I remember, you know, my very dear friend, Eric, his dad, who has since passed, would come in and he would talk about the latest thing that he heard on Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> Oh, really? <laughs> Which I don't even really know that much about Rush Limbaugh. I know that he's, you know, very prolific right. as a conservative talk show host. Yes. But he would come in and he would talk about his views on what happened on Rush. But we also had gentlemen that were there who worked for the railroads, like Union Pacific and Canadian Pacific and places like that that would buy their tools from us. And they were very much parts of the union. And so you'd have these kind of opposite sides of the political spectrum that we needed to foster an environment even at the 
counter where people could have discussions about themselves and what's going on in their lives. And it sometimes bled into like political discussion. So right. this whole nature of like being able to talk about politics at work has, has always been kind of like a part of our DNA here, if that makes sense. Right. And I know when you came in, you wouldn't necessarily talk about it, but it was just, it happened. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So there's been this paradigm shift in your business. Where people don't come in anymore. Right. Yeah. And so are you talking about politics more or less? Probably about the same. And how are you talking about it with your employees? Okay, so let me let me go there. So I have some principles that I talk about. And like you, like you said before, I like to talk, whenever I talk about politics, I'm not, a, from my, my personal standpoint, I very much believe myself to be an independent. Okay, that's fair. Well, it's hard to put everybody in a box. We, we shouldn't be put in a box. We shouldn't be put in a box. And I don't, I don't like to talk about political parties, first of all, when, when, when we talk right. about politics here. But I have some kind of bullet points that I'd like to review that foster a what I believe is a good environment for having these discussions. So the first one, like you mentioned before, is any kind of discussions should abide by our core values. And our core values are do the right thing, be dependable, go above and beyond, and life is great. So one of our core values, which is do the right thing, it's kind of like our core value that's akin to the golden rule, which is you know treat people as you would want to be treated. And so I believe that as we have political discussions, you need to be able to say, okay, is what I'm saying something that I would want some somebody to say back to me. And if what I'm saying is going to be dismissive of that other person's viewpoint, then you probably shouldn't be saying it. And if I ever was made aware of or heard myself somebody making that type of a dismissive statement that was from a political nature, I would have a conversation with that person. Sure, and I would sure, talk sure. to them about that because I believe that this whole core value of do the right thing is is very, very is paramount and is very, very important to us. I agree. I agree. The second one is not to not to isolate anyone. So, you know, everyone everyone has a story. Everyone grew up a little bit differently. And I think that as a team, we need to kind of understand where everybody is coming from. Well, I think you're influenced by what you're what you were raised to believe in. You're Absolutely. influenced by your upbringing. Your parents are huge influencers on what we believe nowadays. 100%. You know what and, I mean? And many times, either you go the opposite of your parents or you become your parents. <laughs> you know, you know I mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? It could go either way. Exactly. Sometimes you, you know, you just kind of go against the way you were viewed because of some reason, or you just become that person. Or right. there's just nuances there where you're you've become that person in some ways and you've gone against that person in in a lot of the ways. And one of the things that I do, and, and you know this, is I start every meeting with good news. And even when we have like our all-company meetings where we're going around and there's like 20 people in the room, we go through 20 people's good news. And we go through them all. And one of the things that I do encourage everyone is to share. It's easy to share like a business good news, but I always tell people like try to share something personal. The reason I want them to share something personal is because I want everyone to understand where that other person is coming from, what their story is, how they grew up, and the reasons why that they have the views that they have. Because I think it's important to empathize with with you know how somebody grew up and maybe why they they feel the same way they do. And I think that that kind of bleeds into like some of their political views and stuff like that. And it encourages an environment where you can actually have a discussion. So it's like, okay, Armando, tell me what it was like to when you started working at Zengers at 18 years old and you didn't speak English. 
you know, and at the time Armando was not, was not an, an American. He's now an American citizen, but at the time he wasn't an American citizen. Right. And I think that that time that he spent in Mexico and then starting working at Zenger's not speaking English has kind of informed his political views now. And that's okay. And it's good for us to understand his story so that we can have better discussions. Of course. Of course. The third point would be no gossiping about political discussions. What do you mean by that? Yeah, well, so what that? that would be is it'd be like, if I'm gossip in general, is something I need to root out of myself. And I think we all need to root it out of our, out of our companies. And I'm, I'm, I can be guilty of this as well, but it would be a situation where I'd be like, Jim, can you believe what Nick said about his views on, you know, yada, yada, yada. And, and it would be like us talking about gossiping about Nick and his political views, you know, it's when no bueno. and it's no bueno. And, and, I, and I do this on other stuff and I, and I really shouldn't do that, but I don't think it fosters a good environment. So the fourth point would especially be, especially in front of your employees, especially in, in front of your team, because absolutely. if you're doing it and your employees hear you doing that, they're going to think it's okay. And they're going to do exact, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The the fourth point would be to talk intelligently about what you're going to talk about and not emotional. So try to make an intelligent, informed discussion and not an emotional discussion. The fifth point would be about making definitive statements. So that would be something like, you know, Democrats always do this or Republicans always do this or this party hates this type of person or anything like that. Like, don't make definitive statements. They're just not acceptable. They're usually, I wouldn't even say usually, they're always <laughs> make a definitive statement about it. They're, they're, they're typically not true. You know what I mean? So that's the fifth statement. And then the sixth statement is that politics shouldn't be the main thing that we talk about. <laughs> it should not be the main thing. <laughs> you know? So even though I want to foster an environment where politics can be talked about in a healthy manner, I don't want it to be everything that we talk about. <laughs> you know? But would you encourage, if somebody really has a, like if you're in your weekly meeting and one of your employees has a question about something politically red blue whatever the case may be do you encourage that discussion to talk about it as a team even though that person might be one very heavy heavy sided and emotional how do you control that yeah that's a good question so if you're encouraging discussion mm -hmm. and somebody's very emotional about one particular party and feels that everything that the other parties do is full of crap. They don't believe anything that's going on. Right. It's all fake news, yep. blah, 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 blah. You're starting a fire here. No, no, no. That's a good question. Okay. So we, we've had, I think, a couple situations where maybe that has happened. So one situation would, would have been where somebody brought up that in a good news environment. And I think- Oh, of course they did. Yeah. They were careful about what they said- in, in order to not be dismissive, in order to make sure that it abided by our core values. But everybody kind of knew where he was coming from. And we just kind of let it lie because it didn't, it wasn't mean spirited. It just, it was that person's point of view, whether it's right or wrong. And we just let it lie there. And then we moved on to the next person's good news. Got it. Okay. But if somebody were to say, bring up an issue right. during the meeting right. that was political in nature yep. and it had zero relevance to us as a business. I would just say, if, if it's not related to our business and what we do, this doesn't belong in the meeting. Right. Like, let's have a let's have a conversation about this. If but you, you got to shut that person down eloquently. 
Yeah, I would say not even like shutting the. I don't want to ever shut a person down, but I want to just make it clear that when we're in a meeting, the things that we discuss have to do with work-related topics, not political topics. If the politics affects the work, then that's another thing. Like if, if the politics are minimum wage and that affects our work, which it doesn't in our case, then we could talk about it. But if it's just purely for the means of talking about politics, it doesn't belong in our meeting. And I would, you know, very politely, you know, say, let's talk about that outside of the meeting. The last point is that how we interact with each other and how we serve our clients doesn't change based on our politics. We're on a mission here at Zengers. I like that one the best. Yeah. We're on a mission here at Zengers, and we have a vision that we're looking to achieve, and that is not related to politics at all. So one of the things that I talked about my team the prior week before we voted was, hey, look, go out and vote, and who you vote for is personal to you, Right. and we're not going to ask who you vote for. Maybe we can make some assumptions or whatever, but after that day... And after every day, when we get here in the morning, our mission is to serve each other and serve our clients. And it doesn't matter who you voted for, and it doesn't matter who got elected. None of those things matter. You know, politics does not drive our business. What drives our business is, you know, serving each other and serving our clients. Perfect. Well said. You know, my, my biggest, you know, kind of like a closing thought, my, my biggest desire is not to create like a safe place for my team. My desire is to get people to think intelligently, not emotionally, and foster an environment where people can grow and where people really truly believe that they're operating like a family. And I think that I'm not necessarily encouraging political discussion, but I'm not discouraging it either. But when they do have the political discussion, it's got to be within the context of these parameters. So would you encourage political discussion at work on like just say two of your employees are over there on lunch break and they're talking about their political views mm-hmm. you would encourage that no i don't encourage political discussion okay i just want to make sure that there are guidelines for having that political discussion and if they so choose to have it right that they abide by these guidelines first gotcha. and foremost is that it's got to conform to our core values and it cannot distract from our mission of serving each other and serving our clients. Okay. So, and if I were to sum it up in those, in, in just two bullet points, it would be those two, which is core values and, and service. But I'm not trying to encourage political talk. I'm just trying to say it's okay as long as it fosters this type of an environment. I think that's very fair. I think that's very fair. So does this maybe change any the way you feel about it or do you still kind of feel like you like the way that you've been doing things which is this is not me judging or criticizing you as far as that goes I know you're not I just don't I don't like confrontation okay I'm one that would rather avoid it than confront it head on sure that's just been the way I've been raised I guess okay and you know bad habits from the yesteryears always come back to haunt you sure but What's working is working at my company now as the company grows and evolves and there's new leadership within the company. Maybe it'll change. Maybe it will change. Interesting. I mean, things okay. have changed a lot in yep. the last five years. Maybe it'll change in a different direction. I, you know, in a positive direction, you know. Sure. You know, I just want everyone to get along and I want the best working environment for my team as I can give to them. Great. I like that. So what I would love for the Metalworking Nation is to let us know your thoughts or questions on this, what could be divisive 
subject and just email, you know, Jim and I, you can email us, you know, Jason at makingchips.com, Jim at makingchips.com, or just info at making chips and let us know what you thought about this episode. Let us know if you've got some bullet points, what you think about this, because we genuinely would like to know. I'd like to know how other manufacturing companies facilitate political discussions. Yeah. I w- we'd like to hear about it. Like if you have something different. I'm sure it's all over oh, the map. Oh, it's got to be. It's yeah, got to be all over the map. Absolutely. So yeah, email us. Let us know what you think about this subject matter. And we'd love to talk about it on a future episode. The thing is, whatever your company does, that's the type of employees you're going to attract. Absolutely. You absolutely. know what I mean? Yeah. If you're very heavily in one direction, you talk about it all the time, you're going to attract people that are just like you. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, for example, if you're like a, say, like a firearms manufacturer, your your, your leadership is probably going to be a little bit more on the conservative side. Absolutely. Uh, or the even the, the Republican side of things. And, you know, those are probably going to be more or less the discussions that you have. And you're probably going to attract and hire people that feel that same way. Because like, why would somebody who is left leaning going to work for a company like that? So there are some interesting things as far as as far as that goes. Sure. But, but yeah, I mean, we would we would love to hear what everybody's opinion on this. But you know what? It comes down to it. We talked about this before. You know, this is just, you know, our, our work is our work. And we need to be able to focus on what's important, which is making chips. Because if you're not making chips... You're not making money. Bam. Thanks for listening to the Making Chips podcast. Jim and Jason knew that the metalworking nation, the community of world-class makers, needed to commit to a new way of leading to stay ahead of the competition. So, Making Chips was created to fill that void, to give you advice from other manufacturing leaders who can push you to take action. Your manufacturing challenges have a solution, and many of them are at makingchips.com. Hey, Jason, did I tell you that Carr had its AS9100 Stage 1 audit last week? Yeah, you've been talking about that a little bit. Oh my God, it went super smooth. You know, we run ProShop ERP and our complete QMS is integrated into well, it. Well, that's one of the great features of ProShop. I'm telling you, we had a virtual audit. Well, you know, everything's virtual nowadays. Everything's virtual. We had a virtual audit, was able to share our screen with the auditor and all the information he requested was right there digitally. We were able to download certain reports right on the fly and email to him in real time. Great. Yeah, fabulous. You know, it truly was a pleasure to have an audit without all those binders and the ability to have it done remotely in real time was just incredible. You know, our stage two is coming up in late February, so wish me well. Yeah, I'm sure you'll do great. I hope so. Fingers crossed. Thanks. I really appreciate it. Confident. It will be a seamless audit. And you know, I just could not be happier that I chose ProShop and implemented my QMS into it. It's one of the best things I've done for my business.